ninja. I've been waiting for you, Snake. Who are you? Neither enemy nor friend. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Shadow Moses Cafe. I am your host, Shane Smith. And I'm Jordan Lee. How's it going, everybody? How's it going, Shane? It's going great. And how's it going for you? Uh, tired. <laughs> yeah, I feel so bad. <laughs> no. Get set up and you're like, yep, great. And I'm like, oh, he is so tired. No, no, it's fine. You know, it's uh, I like I do like getting up this early. It's it's not so bad. It feels more fitting to the whole cafe thing that we're, you know, sipping coffee and waking up, so... <laughs> yeah, I, I usually get up at 6, like, I got up an hour earlier than I normally do, but it feels like I have way more time in the day when I wake up, like, super early. Yeah. And it did feel super awesome to just sit there, and I posted a picture of it on Twitter, like, a couple minutes ago, like, making coffee on my Keurig and being like, I'm gonna be so productive, I'm gonna do a podcast and write notes, <laughs> and then, like, right after we're done talking i have to clean my house oh, so it's like, God. <laughs> but i have more hours in the day to clean my house well that's good you know i mean i i gotten to the point where usually if i don't get like at least you know seven seven and a half hours i'm usually just fried but uh yeah. it's not you know you, you make it work i mean kojima i saw at one point it was like uh when things were really hairy working on mgs1 it was like he was getting like three or four if that hours a night, so oh, I can believe it. <laughs> Which is just, I, I know some people are able to just be functional with that little of sleep. I cannot do it. <laughs> I've learned to do it. It's not by choice. Sometimes, like my body just stays awake, just to, like to spite itself. I hate it. I think it's like what was it? I think they call it like revenge bedtime or something like that. Where it's like, yeah, your body's like. In the back of my head, it's like, if you fall asleep before 11 o'clock, you lose. And I'm like, what do I lose? Like, that's what my brain is telling me. But I'm actually feeling, like, really bad for Kojima right now because he had tweeted, I think, either last night of, of our time time zone, time frame and everything, either last night or this morning, that he, um, he was, like, shattered, right? Like, he's, like, so tired because he's, like, doing all these meetings and stuff. And, of course, I, we don't know what he's doing. And I feel so bad, though, because you could just tell from that one like sentence tweet i was like oh yeah (laughs) he's in the shit right now i mean almost anytime i see him especially like when it's near a game being done and you see him in an interview he's just got these bags under his eyes man he looks like he's been through fucking war (laughs) a workaholic for sure yeah Yeah. and i know that's actually a really bad problem for the japanese but okay well but we can dive in whenever you're ready. I guess we're here for Gray Fox. I apologize to you and the, the listeners if I'm a little scatterbrained this morning, but we're going to make this damn thing work. <laughs> well, I mean, I was scatterbrained last episode on Paramedic because it was so late and I, like, yeah. my body was shutting down and the viewers didn't hear it, but my son kept coming downstairs like every five minutes <laughs> just saying whatever the hell he wanted just to say it because my son knows when I'm talking to somebody, so he's like, and featuring Orin, and I was like, "Please go to bed, please go to bed." So, like, I'm ready to go, and I know you sound so tired, but I'm gonna try. We're gonna try so hard to like get this sound to great. Eventually, when my kids start going to school, we can do this in the middle of the day, and it won't be that big of a problem. Yeah, but plus, but, um, I'm, I'm I'm fine. We, we got this. We got this in the bag. Oh yeah, we got this. 
I got my hot cup of coffee right here, like sugar and milk, just basic stuff at the cafe. And we're ready to talk about Gray Fox. Are you ready to talk about Gray Fox? I absolutely am. Yeah, Gray Fox, Frank Yeager. What a legend, honestly. And I'm not saying that because he's honestly a badass. I'm saying that because I know next to fucking nothing about this guy. He's like, well, he's like the boss stature of legend where it's like we know just enough about the boss to like make a a dissertation about her. But at the same time, it's like try to like dive anything in about the boss other than like what surface level they give you. And then, like, try not to have half of that just be speculation. That's what Gray Fox gives me. And that's what, like, half my notes are. It's, like, just speculation of, like, okay, so this is an event that happened. Here's what I think happened. And because, like, they just put Frank in, like, this huge, um, just legendary status. He's the only, um, he's the only person in Foxhound to have the rank fox mm-hmm. uh which is like the highest rank even though you know david was there and i want to get into this in a little bit where i know for a fact well okay i don't know for a fact but it's pretty damn plausible that big boss actual um john i should say uh knew david was quote unquote his son or at least his cells he knew that this was his uh um genetic protege when he came into foxhound and there was a rivalry between Gray Fox and Solid Snake that has been uh, spoken on in Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake, especially in the very end, like when yeah. they're doing the, the fight in the minefield. Um, like the two greatest rivals of Foxhound finally ending it here, all that stuff. Right. And I definitely wanted to talk about how, like, why Gray Fox saw them as rivals, because canonically they they met at N313. There was no previous, like, meeting prior, training prior. They probably either, like, bumped shoulders or maybe saw each other at a Foxhound site or training ground, but, like, they didn't officially meet until N313 in 1995. So, um, but since that fateful meeting because he was so cool and so precise and so legendary and so awesome, uh, Solid Snake immediately classifies him as like a best friend. He says this in Metal Gear Solid 2. He was his best friend. And you gotta be fucking kidding me. My husband's calling me. Colonel, I got a codec call from someone outside this operation. I know. We were monitoring the call. Maylene knows everything about the communication system, so let me have her explain it to you. Well, if somebody knows your frequency, they can call you. But the question is, how did he learn it? It's top secret information. So you mean someone leaked the information? That's the only explanation I can think of. Mei-Ling, do you know where that transmission originated from? I'm sorry. The radio waves were too weak to locate their source, but I'm sure he's near you, somewhere on the base. Snake. You'll have to go through the minefield to advance. Where the fuck was I? We were just talking about you were laying out just the basics of Gray Fox from the first two games. And yeah, I just wanted to say, like, it it definitely tracks because I know the first... I think one of the first things I remember Gray Fox saying to Snake in the first game is, like, uh, you made it, rookie. So it does seem like, you know, that's the yeah. first time that they are actually meeting. Um, we definitely need to talk about... I put that in, like, my... my um, bullshit iceberg photo that I made when I saw like all these other Metal Gear icebergs I was like these are shit I'm gonna make one because I know what the fuck I'm talking about and around the bottom around the bottom I put in quotations rookie solid snake because he was hand trained by Big Boss 
there's nothing rookie about that. Well, so, yeah, that's true. That is true. But I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting because I guess he was training him to. They, I guess they say what is to his purpose is to bring back you know, misinformation. He was actually sent there on misinformation because um, there's like two ways you can see it. The way I like to see it is that um, even though Big Boss didn't accept Solid and Liquid as his his sons, pretty much mm-hmm. as, as like everybody else wanted to see them as, he understood what they were, which was like almost carbon copies of Big Boss. So like, you know, they're these super soldiers that are better in every single way come to warfare and if anything big boss was going to use that to his advantage if he could get a hold of them and while venom attempted with eli and failed got john that attempted and succeeded in getting david and foxhound and not only that but like going on like this i don't know how long the training process was between him joining in 1995 but there was a time where um, he was hand trained in CQC and I'm sitting here like, do you really think he had David coming in every day and like silently training him in CQC? Like there was definitely some brainwashing going on, some don't go against the family shit going on that when he finally sent him to N313, uh, it was either going to go one of two ways for big boss, either he would get lucky and and david would be like okay so i guess my dad's running this shit maybe i'll i'll stay with outer heaven and help my dad out or he was just gonna kill david because it went the way that it didn't want him to go and he was too good quote unquote and just destroyed outer heaven so like it was kind of like big boss was playing 4d chess here where it was (laughs) like i'm gonna make david as strong as possible and then pray he joins my side (laughs) When I let him in that I'm actually running this shit. Um, but then you have Gray Fox that uh, from the beginnings, which I hate to admit it, and I can't believe I'm saying this publicly, and I should be shot on sight, but a lot of the shit that happens in Portable Ops, other than him being white, lines up with what his history is. Like, I can't believe it, and I hate it, and I hate that they made him white in Portable Ops, but... The rest of the lore and the story lines up really, really well up to him going up to Foxhound. Like somebody did their homework. They just I guess it was like a monkey's paw situation where like, okay, we're going to have this amazing, perfectly lined lore. Make him white. Like it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, you know, I wonder if it had something to do with Gray Fox's involvement in Rhodesia and the Mozambique Civil War and all this stuff. I I sort of wonder if like that was part of why they decided to make him white, because those, you know, are those were wars that I mean, assuming that he was fighting on the side of the whites, I guess it could make a little bit more sense. But then again, I don't really know that that's necessary. I don't know why. I mean, if he's half Vietnamese, I don't see why that would be an issue. Like, especially if you're fighting as a mercenary, I don't think they give a shit. Like, yeah, I think he was definitely fighting as a mercenary then. Yeah. Who are you? I don't know myself. I don't know my real name or even what my parents looked like. I bought all my identification. But my reason for getting into genetics was true. Because you want to know yourself, right? That's right. I want to know where I came from. My my age, my race, anything. Naomi. I was found in Rhodesia sometime in the 80s. A dirty little orphan. Rhodesia? 
what's now known as Zimbabwe? Yes. Rhodesia was owned by England until 1965, and there were lots of Indian laborers around. That's probably where I got my skin color from, but I'm not even sure about that. Naomi, you're too worried about the past. Isn't it enough to understand who you are now? Understand who I am now? Why should I? No one else tries to understand me. I was alone for so long, until I met my big brother, and him. Your big brother? Yes. Frank Yeager. What? He was a young soldier, when he picked me up near the Zambezi River. I was half dead from starvation, and he shared his rations with me. Yes. Frank Yeager. The man who you destroyed was my brother and my only family. No. Grey Fox? We survived that hell together, Frank and I. He protected me. He's my one connection. The only connection I have to my past. And he brought you back to America? No. I was in Mozambique when he came. Who was he? You mean Big Boss? Yes. He brought us to this land of freedom, this America. And then he and my brother went back to Africa to continue the war. And that's when it happened. You killed my benefactor and sent my brother home a cripple. I vowed revenge and joined Foxhound. I knew it was my best chance to meet you and I prayed for the day that I would. So, were your prayers answered? Yes. I waited two long years. To kill me? Is that all you cared about? Yes. That's right. Two years. You were all I thought about for two long years. Like some kind of twisted obsession. Do you still hate me? Not exactly. I was partly wrong about you. What about Liquid and the others? <laughs> I'll have my revenge on them, too. Naomi, you didn't kill that doctor, too, did you? The one that used Gray Fox for his genome experiments? Dr. Clark? No. That was my brother. Afterwards, I covered it up and helped him hide out. So that ninja... I mean, Gray Fox... He's come here to kill me? I don't think so. I think he just came here to fight you. I wasn't sure before, but now I think I understand. A final battle with you. That's all he lives for. I'm sure of it. Fox, no. Fox, why? What do you want from me? I am a prisoner of death. Only you can free me. Fox, stay out of this. What about Naomi? She's hell-bent on taking revenge for you. Naomi! You're the only one who can stop her. No, I can't. Why? Because I'm the one who killed her parents. I was young then, and couldn't bring myself to kill her too. I felt so bad that I decided to take her with me. I raised her like she was my own blood to soothe my guilty conscience. Even now, she thinks of me as her brother. But, from the outside, we might have seemed like a happy brother and sister. But every time I looked at her, I saw her parents' eyes staring back at me. 
tell her for me. Tell her that I was the one who did it. He was definitely fighting as a mercenary then. Um, but he I think he was also still a child. That's why I was saying like it was lining up really well and that I also subscribed to the the canon, I would say it's head canon, that Snake and Grey Fox are around around the same age. Um because there are a lot of speculation that Grey Fox is way older or, you know, they are the same age or they're around the same age. I would say they're around the same age, but when it came to the Mozambique Civil War, I would say Grey Fox was definitely like more of a child in that era. And the uh, Free Limo and Riamo soldiers, like both both sides of the forces, they were guilty of using child soldiers in yeah. both conflicts. But it lasted a long time, didn't it? It lasted from like 77 yeah, it didn't to... Yeah, until 1992. Yeah, so I mean, I get. But you're right. I mean, I guess you're right that like it's it, the timeline would still line up that he would be a child soldier or at the very least a young young soldier fighting in that conflict. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it is interesting also how, like you said, that you know we don't know that much about him other than he is the best in Foxhound. Um, yeah. So I had written here that uh, while Gray Fox probably definitely knew about Outer Heaven as an in three one three. And he was a big part of FO14 of Zanzibar. Uh, I was like, you know, because he's he's the top of the top in Foxhound, and Big Boss obviously trusted him to do like all of the grand dirty work, as in like he piloted Metal Gear, uh, Metal Gear D in FO14. Uh, he was pretty much sent to be captured, and yeah. you know, like. Pretty much like martyr almost in in three one three because while you do just save him and he's like a basic sprite and in the game because you know the limitations of the time you can't yeah. show him like being all bloody or whatever they could have said it but I'm sure like you know what I'm saying like because of the limitations he just looks like another uh, captured soldier right but I'm pretty sure like he was like beat the shit out of or at least made an example to like set the scene or like keep the play going yeah, absolutely uh, to be like yeah to be like oh outer heavens is a piece of shit place they're they're such terrorists but i know i swear like he was he was definitely in on it like it wasn't like um gray fox i think you could see it as like gray fox was sent to n313 on on good graces like maybe it was the same thing with snake where um gray fox was sent to n313 to gather intel on metal gear which he did because he told snake about it when he's released yeah um but it was like he said in metal gear 2 where he doesn't like war but he needs it and he had nowhere else to go and big boss gave him a place to go and yes. even though maybe he had betrayed him in some way at n313 like he had no choice but to go back and devote his loyalty yeah i mean i think that you based on what you're saying and based on what we get from the games and stuff yeah i think it it is a uh, a safe a bet to think that gray fox wasn't on it in in uh, in 313 just because you know the speech that he gives about big boss and how much he believes in not just believes in it but like needs you know this this battlefield revolution or whatever this place for soldiers to belong i it only really makes sense that he was willing to do anything and that he was big it's sort of like big boss's xo when you think about it yeah for sure so yeah i mean i, I definitely think he was in on it um but I, it is a testament to these games and to the nature of espionage that 
it could be either way. Like it, it easily could have been like you were saying that Gray Fox was just another pawn that was being sent in there, you know, just to be used without even realizing it. So when it comes to big boss, I feel like everyone's a pawn. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's like, there's no really like, I mean, look at Kazuhira where yeah. not to get back into him again, but like in <laughs> Peace Walker where I, I had made the joke where, um, not really a joke. It's kind of like a tragic fact where Big Boss really wasn't all that nice to Kaz, even through Peace Walker. <laughs> like, you can pick out every line they say to each other other than, like, maybe a few that you can, like, grasp straws on that he's been, like, kind of nice. But Big Boss is always, like, snarky or passive-aggressive or just outright, like, mean to Kaz. And, like, Kaz just, like, hangs off of every word Big Boss, is, Big Boss says. And... He only gets angrier after 74 into 84. And so, like, I can see great this Gray Fox Big Boss relationship, not not in like the romantic way, but like, you know, yeah. like the, the, the working way. This, right. this relationship between these two men who need each other in the way Big Boss needs manpower and Gray yeah. Fox needs a, a reason to live. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. they're symbiotic in the worst way. I, I can see that. I mean, I would I would say that I think that there are sometimes, at least at least in the beginning of Peace Walker, it's where it does seem that uh, to me that you know Big Boss and Miller are kind of like in this weird zone together. That it it, it does feel a little bit more of an equal thing there. Just like when you hear them in the tapes in Peace Walker, you know when they talk about MSF th- to the extent that they agree on what MSF even is going to be. I mean, it, it does seem like that they're they're of like mind and it's not it's kind of sad how, you know, I, I feel like we see Big Boss, you know, I would argue, I guess, go from somebody who actually has relationships to someone who's just sees like you're saying, just everybody is a pawn. But I mean, yeah. you're, you're right that even with cause, he's still it's that ambiguity of their relationship, you know, because like they're friends, but they're also like business partners, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I guess you would like put them in like a bedfellows type situation. Yes. Where it's like they're definitely working together and they have similar goals <laughs> when you want to look at it. Right. They have one very similar goal and then two very different goals, but they they go into like this bedfellows situation. But that's where I was getting at with Gray Fox where he's kind of using Big Boss as like his reason to live, even though I want to yeah. say like where I said with Kaz, he tried in the sense of like getting with Nadine and... Um, Catherine as a family Gray Fox also tried to have a family not just with Naomi but with Gustava and they are both like in the same time frame when I when I was looking at it where oh man because he found Naomi in the 80s right in Rhodesia which would later become Zimbabwe right and he he and Big Boss stalk her up in America just to like put her through school because he felt Mm -hmm. so bad I wish I had like more story on that again like i kind of don't i don't want to like derail on three different topics i'll get back to naomi in a second but Uh like it's kind of like the boss situation where i keep saying on twitter and i told this to numerous people because everyone's like oh i want a video game of the boss how awesome Mm. would it be if like we had like the cobras and the boss world war ii game i'm like i don't want that because the second it doesn't matter if like they show her face 24 7 in that game and you know you're not you're not it's not you eventually you become immersed in a video game and you believe it's you like 
It's kind of like the like in Red Dead Redemption Two, where it's like you know you know you're playing Arthur Morgan, but like the, these games are so long and like these side quests are so long that like you start fishing and hunting and just walking around and like you start role playing a little bit and yeah. that's you doing what you want to do. Yeah. And so it's kind of the same where it's like every everybody plays video games differently, and you eventually see yourself in Snake. And so when Metal Gear Solid 2 came around and Snake is a second character, it's like, who, who, what the fuck? But so it's like, I don't, I don't want that for the boss to, for me to impose myself on the boss because she's so legendary. And so it's the same with Gray Fox, where Gray Fox is so legendary and I'm going to try my best to break him down today, but under no circumstances where I would want like, other than VR missions, which is fucking rad, like I, I wouldn't want something other than like a remake of Metal Gear, Metal Gear 2. Or maybe right. he's like a sidekick kind of character. I wouldn't want something that like extrapolates more into where I would have to like impose myself onto Gray Fox because he's like cemented into this like legendary status. Like, I, yeah, I totally but, get yeah. that. I totally get that. One thing I would say about the whole World War II uh, game that people want, I mean, to me, in a lot of ways, we sort of got a version of that in the Phantom Pain. I know that's weird to say, but like if you actually look, I mean, you're not really in the same. You know, like, the, the boss and the SAS, like, where they got started was northern Northern Africa. So yeah. it's it's pretty fucking close to Cyprus. And it's, I mean, Afghanistan was completely not a, a battlefield in World War II. Like, the Middle East was not yet really a vital uh, geopolitical center. But, you know, yeah. like, uh, in, in Africa, I actually, there's a really interesting, I don't want to get too off the rails but there's a really interesting no, history's good a really interesting spy story uh if you ever get a chance I, I really recommend to you and to the listeners this book called spies uh, i believe it's called spies in angola and it's about world war ii and how and the manhattan project and how they got the uranium from shinkalobwe mine uh to america and and the, the, like the, all the intrigue at the time because africa was still colonized and so you had these different like blocks in africa that were allied either to the axis or the allies and they had to, therefore, like, be really careful about the whole thing. They had to cover up the whole operation of getting the uranium, which was, like, I don't remember the percentage of purity of the uranium from that mine, but it was so such high uh, a pure uh, ore that they needed the Shinkalobwe uh, uh, yellow cake ore in order to make the bombs that dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. There's a name I haven't heard in a while. The U.S. bought a lot of uranium from Shinkalobwe mine during World War II for the Manhattan Project. They even sent a squad from the Army Corps of Engineers to reopen the mine after it was flooded. That's how good its uranium must have been. With that, the world's first nuclear test was a success. Shinkalobwe uranium might have been used in the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombs, too. Just hearing its name is like seeing all the phantoms of the war rise up to haunt us. It... it in a weird way, the battlefields, I know that Afghanistan wasn't, but if you think about it as like a third world thing and just like your missions of like, you know, you're not really parachuting in, you're dropping in by helicopter, but it's sort of like the next evolutionary step uh, from the era of where you would parachute in. You know, helicopters are really a signature of the Vietnam era uh, yeah. and everything since. And so, yeah, I think... Um, you sort of uh, get a sort of a version, I, I, because you're, you're, I, yeah. I mean, like you were saying as well. I think um, the legendary status of the boss is so much greater because of what you're saying. Because we don't really get to play it as her directly. 
It gives her a better air of mystery that like keeps people coming back or keeps yes. her in like this this like revelee state that people love to talk about. Yes, because even even in five when I said, oh, I think that's sort of like that game. You're st- what I meant is that you can play out your like fantasies and myths of the boss in your head, you know, yeah. imagining that you're her or, or you you know you're experiencing something similar. But yeah, um, and the same thing with Gray Fox. I think uh, he it's it's sort of better that we don't we don't have all the pieces. It's something you said when we, you and I were talking privately, you know, the other day. It's it's absolutely true that like leaving in the ambiguity is so important to these games um like you said you know um and and yeah i think gray fox is a very uh tragic character very complex character and all of that is heightened by the distance i think we have from his character you know if we knew everything it just wouldn't really be as it wouldn't be the same feels like you're watching everything he's he's done or like things he said or like just recounts of of what's happened just like through a glass box like he's it's like almost like a diorama yeah that he's in and we can't ever touch and but that's still i don't know like again to segue and i don't even know the name of it i forget the name of it there's this woman who makes these dioramas like these small houses and they're murder mysteries that can't be solved and they use them for for I, I shit you not, they're really awesome, and they uh, like forensic de- analysts and detectives actually use these dioramas for like training into how to solve actual crimes and That's mysteries. Fucking awesome! And so it's like stuff like that where it's like I feel like I'm looking at these dioramas of Gray Fox that like things are happening where it's like I'll give you a link to it after we're done, and maybe I'll link it on like the Shadow Moses Cafe Twitter and be like, this is pertinent to what we're talking about today, <laughs> but like. <laughs> In these dioramas, there's like, you know, like, oh, there's a glass fell over. This chair is falling over. There's a knife in this room with blood on it. And but she's in this room and the sheet is missing and you need to piece together what happened. And there's no answer. Mm. And so it's like I feel like Gray Fox is in this diorama and there's something over here and there's an Intel file over here. And there's like a radio (laughs) that the screen is on, obviously, but of course we can't hear it. And it's like... All this stuff is happening, but we don't know any answers, and I love it. I love it that way, because it just keeps them in that that bigger air of mystery. You just described it so fucking well. That's, like, perfect. I mean, I feel like what you just said, that's, to me, the Phantom Pain, too. That's what I love about that game and just all these games, is I think they each have this dimension to them of of what you've just laid out. Um, Yeah, I mean... Oh, well, yeah, because, like, I hate that they cut it, but, like, remember when they were promoting Phantom Pain, and it's like, oh, you can walk around the the base, and, like, Ocelot will be there, and Kaz will be there, and they showed, like, this, like, clip of, like, Ocelot giving his, like, a little hand wave to you. That got cut from the game, right? You you can walk around Mother Base all day. You'll never see Ocelot. You'll never see Kaz. Oh, so is that... Because I saw a clip, somebody (laughs) online, they used, like, the rocket punch to, to, to go up, and they found Ocelot, but I guess... He's just, maybe that's just a, a leftover from that feature where he's like, well, well, if today you can do this today and it's a random chance, I'm pretty sure. But if you call your helicopter on mother base and leave, like just go to the ACC or something like that, um, you will see like Kazuhira Miller or Ocelot like at the command tower on the command platform. OK, yeah, yeah. Like just standing out there. And, like, it's kind of like, a, you know, like a little, like, oh, yeah, there's life on Mother Base. He's just out here getting some air. Yeah. And, um, but Liquid that too, gives, right? like, that die yeah, it gives that di- diorama effect where it's like, why is Miller out here getting some air? Like, what was he doing in the command center previously? We have right. no answers. 
So it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, there, there is life here on Mother Base, but everyone's doing, kind of doing their own thing. And, but we get no answers. And that's the same uh, yes. with Gray Fox. Gray Fox kind of is doing his own thing. Even like get, making his own family behind Big Boss's back. And, well, not really behind Big Boss's back, but like, you know, like he's making his own family. He's, he's going on these missions for Big Boss. And like, he has his own aspirations but at the same time he's loyal to big boss because he needs war to live but he hates yeah. war so he's befriending solid snake even though solid snake is being groomed by big boss to become like this warlord he probably wants him to be and but they're rivals and it's like it's ugh. i mean the twisted thing you know i think is really interesting about metal gear 2 is that you almost get the sense and again this is maybe just speculation on my on my behalf but you sort of get the sense that Big Boss, because uh, all along we've been you've been talking about you know Big Boss grooming, uh, well Big Boss and Gray Fox grooming you know Snake one way or the other. But it occurs to me that like even if it's a scenario where Snake doesn't go along with their plan and tries to fight them, which he does, it mm. still kind of goes along with everything that Big Boss and Gray Fox lay out in Metal Gear Two about like needing a conflict to live. So it's like whether or not Snake fights or joins them it's still serving their way way of life which is war you know like they need yeah i almost wonder if big boss doesn't need an a, a foe as strong as snake and gray fox doesn't need a foe as strong as snake because that gives them you know th- then they can truly compete they can truly fight as warriors and all this and and when you think about it like that it maybe makes a little bit more sense that like it could have gone so awry and that this you know that that solid snake wound up sort of defeating them is because they were they were taking a huge risk obviously by training this guy and and everything but it it, it does make sense in the in light of the game and everything that they lay out about like it's almost like a drug addiction or an illness like this war that they need you know it's i definitely know where you're coming from with that and i think i said this in the kazuhira episode where i was like um snake is man-made he's a beast as they they love to say in four metal Gear Solid four you're a beast ah blue rose but because of that he has no memes that he passed on from big boss because he's he's just a copy yeah he's just a copy so That's what I was saying, where it's like, we have Gray Fox, who, and again, I love it. I'm going to say this probably a million times, and I'm really, really sorry, listeners. Uh, he's amb- ambiguous. It's like, you, we don't really know what the fuck going on. But at the same time, like, he obviously had, like, this a massive trust from Big Boss, where I kind of see them both as, like, sons of Big Boss, where you've got yeah. the the real son, and then you've got the metaphorical son of Gray Fox. Holy where, shit, yes. Beca- because he is... He, like I don't want to say it in, in to disrespect David, but because Gray Fox is fully human, he had a mother and a father. Yeah. Uh, he had like he he was susceptible to like the memes that could be passed on from Big Boss, which did happen. And he needed he needed Big Boss maybe as a father figure, as a war figure, as yeah. anything to cement himself because uh, he's been lost for so long, not just in Vietnam, got saved by Big Boss there, and Mozambique, got saved by Big Boss again, and and, and and we know nothing about those those saviors, but something must have been passed on when they were um, in each other's space, even though he was a, and he was a child, so a lot of shit probably cemented immediately. Of course, yeah, that's, that's such a good came, point. He came back, and he was like a son figure, and then the actual son comes who is synthetic um 
David, I love you. I'm so sorry for saying it that way, but it's true. Well, synthetics. Yes. The synthetic son shows up who is who's strong and is technically John. And so we've got the one that passes the meme, which is Gray Fox, John uses, and the one that passes the gene, yeah. but can't really pass the gene, which is David. So the gene of the soldier which John trains up and then the meme of the, the will of the war, which is what he trains up in um, Gray Fox. And that's why Gray Fox just like <laughs> runs around Zanzibar land, just blowing everybody up. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking yeah. Metal Gear D. Yeah, and you know, when you put it that way, you also made me realize too, that like, I guess at the end of the day, uh, de facto, that makes Gray Fox uh, kind of like Solid Snake's big brother. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. The, the whole dynamic you were also laying out earlier about, you know, how uh, Snake seems when we go from Metal Gear Solid 1 to 2, and he basically becomes sort of like Raiden's uncle or big brother in that in that game, and, and the boss is sort of like your, your mom. Right. So it's, yeah. Snake, we're not tools of the government or anyone else. Fighting was the only thing. At least, I always fought for what I believed in. Speak. Farewell. Snake, you're a legend, and that's why I need to ask you this. Legend? A legend is nothing but fiction. Someone tells it, someone else remembers. Everybody passes it on. I'm here because I was assigned to this mission, not because I want to. If I could... I'd be out of here in a second. How could you come back to all this? Why keep fighting? There's something my best friend said to me once. What? We're not tools of the government or anyone else. Fighting was the only thing I was good at, but at least I always fought for what I believed in. D- like, David, like, kind of, like, adopted Raiden. Yeah. Like, he passed on his will to live and, like, his his will to, like... It, this was a lot in Metal Gear Solid 2, which Raiden wasn't really listening then. In like 4, he was too, still, though. Yeah, in 4 yeah, as well. Well, definitely in 4, but it started in 2, right? Sure, Where, sure, like, yeah. he's like, he's like, oh, like, I was drinking so fucking much in, in Alaska. And then yeah. Otacon showed up and, like, well, we have to have something to, to, to live for and... And we need to change the world. And while Raiden was a little skeptical at first because, you know, he had Crazy Colonel talking in his ear the entire time and, yeah. you know, all that shit. But, like, in 4, he definitely picked up the meme he like, passed on from David. And so, like, there was there was definitely a, a brother brotherly relationship going on between um, uh, David and Frank. Yeah. Where, you know, stuff was being passed on. through Like, oh, yeah, the meme of, like... Um, I don't like war, but I I don't like fighting, but at least I fought for what I believed in was a meme that passed to David, which was passed. Yeah, I was just going to say that exactly like that, that meme that he passes on. And I love that he doesn't even say Gray Fox's name. He just said I I had a best friend who said once, you know, yeah, that thing. And you're right. He passes it on. And that's it's really interesting the way that these characters, you know, on the one standpoint, looking at it from the lore. You know, but also thinking about these games like as games and how they've grown over the years and how these characters have like they, they've had to be given more dimensions and, you know, more nuance to flesh them out. And so 
that obviously involves a little bit of, I guess you'd say, retconning or, I mean, I don't know if it's full-blown retconning as much as just fleshing out something that, you know, a prior game only hinted at. But, you know, in, in general, you know, yeah, I think Gray Fox, it's like, you know, in the first game, all we really know, it's sort of left totally ambiguous, you know, how much, and this is sort of how we started, I guess, like how much Gray Fox actually knew about the conspiracy, how much he was in on it. But then by the time you get to, to Metal Gear 2, they've, they decide, like, because of the story and everything, that, like, it's going to make more sense if Gray Fox is, is actually, like, drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, with Big Boss and everything. And so... There's definitely, like, two ways to go about it, whereas, like, either he was in on it since in 313, or it's just like he said in um, Metal Gear 2... And also what David said in Metal Gear Solid 1, where war's not a reason to end a friendship. Where <laughs> Big Boss, I know it's so fucking stupid, but at the same time, Big Boss beat the shit out of Gray Fox. Gray Fox may not have been in on N313, but because he needed Big Boss so bad, he's like, yeah, that was fucked up. Can I come back? Like, y'all got room over at Zanzibar. Y'all got an extra bunk. Yeah, I'll drive Metal Gear D. I don't give a shit. Like, can I come back? I need this shit. And Big Boss is like, oh yeah, sure, you're cool. You can come back. Yeah, you're, you're pretty good. <laughs> so, but to be serious, like, that's kind of like, it's kind of like a, a botched way of, like, interpreting that line through another character of, like, war's not a reason to end a friendship. I definitely know, or I keep saying I definitely, I don't definitely know anything. But at the same time, like, I'm fairly certain is the word I'm looking for. I'm fairly right. certain that Big Boss and Gray Fox were friendly interpret that word as as you will where like again like big boss trusted gray fox but still used him as a pawn and so when gray fox comes back for zanzibar of course he's gonna let him back in he's like the best he's ever had yeah and they they need each other and at that point it becomes you were saying a symbiotic relationship or something it's like that but you know it's so toxic (laughs) yeah well it's because he can't get david back david fucking booked it of course, of course, yeah, and I guess we should also talk about, you know, you brought it up earlier, but, you know, uh, Gustava and uh, uh, Naomi and all that. Oh, yeah, that's where I was starting, and then I just went off on a fucking tangent. Well, there's a lot to cover here, but I think we're doing a pretty good job. Um, yeah, so I guess we can walk through this together, but so, okay, so Gray Fox uh, is born, he's half Vietnamese, right? Yes, definitely. He is half Vietnamese. He's not white. He has. He's definitely Vietnamese. I'm yeah. half black. My mom's white, but I'm not white. <laughs> right. Let's 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 get that out of the way. Yeah, you know, I I read some. It's this sort of. It is related tangentially, but I read an interesting article about this actually that said that the way that people in general are looking at uh, the question of like demographics and race and stuff is like. It, it, it is is deeply flawed in in the sense that everyone um well it's like this whole idea that you know you've got people out there worried that non-whites the whole point of the article was saying that like our just our dichotomy between white and non-white needs to be more fluid because in reality like the the largest growing like ethnic po- population in america isn't white or non-white it's it's mixed like the mulatto yeah, and, and they was saying that, like, you know, a lot of the anxieties that are fueling a lot of this far-right shit that's going on in America right now is that a lot of these people have been sold this idea or have convinced themselves of it that, like, well, non-whites, first of all, are, you know, uh, they're, 
they're growing in numbers more. This is really racist stuff, but I mean, this is what people believe. It's a super dog whistle where it's like, yeah, you're bordering on the word breeding, which animalizes. Yes, yes it is. Uh, non, non-white people. Or, uh, Absolutely. Uh, black indigenous people of color as well. Like, yeah. it's just anybody that's not white. It, you, when you start saying like increasing in population numbers, like yeah what yeah, they really it's, mean is it's breeding. a dog whistle for like breeding which i totally agree i totally and it's this is pat buchanan shit right like this bullshit like oh, yeah. the, the original trump you know but this is this is the lot this is the garbage that you know that they spread is like not only is that that happening but that that's bad and that you know if if people who are not white they get the same amount of political power they're going to do uh, they're going to be as oppressive. It's a threat to them. Yeah, all of that shit is like based on the idea that there is this hard division between white and non-white. But if you actually look at demographics and how people, you know, more and more people of of color are like living together, marrying, working beside whatever people who are white, and the, the, it it really, uh, I hope, you know, it does seem that we're getting, we're going to get to a point where these these hard divisions, people are going to start to realize that like they're not really as hard as, I mean, I don't want to take away the lived experience of of people of color. And someone who's mixed race such as yourself, I don't even want to go there because it's not something I know too much about. Um, but, yeah, I just think that that lived experience is valid and is real. And, you know, I just hope that someday people can see that th- those categories don't have to be so uh, so all defining. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to see it in our lifetime because, you know, like yeah. life takes a while to grow and to populate and people are going to have to die before more people come in but yeah. eventually i don't think people are going to have a choice like the right yeah we're so global now that like there's there's mixes of races like they're so beautiful yeah that like i and it's just going to keep happening and, and like i think eventually there's not going to be one solid race which i don't think there ever was like even white people are like you know they've got like I don't want to make fun of white people, so don't take this as me making fun of white people, but I love it when they're like, oh, I'm like 17% French, 16% Scandinavian. I'm like, so it's like, you are white, but you're not like all white. Like, you've got some stuff going on with you. And like, a lot of them are obsessed with like, well, I got some African in me. I'm like, like, what, South African? Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I I, I didn't want to say it like that, but like, you know what I mean? Shut up. No, it's good. It's true. I mean, it, it's good. I love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, there are white people who love to do that shit. Like, oh, I'm one third, you know, uh, Apache or whatever. It's like, you know, oh, don't start. Don't get me started. Like, yeah. not. Oh, no, I don't want to. None of both of us are not Native American. I will not speak on Native American no. uh, problems because uh, they'd be really going through it right now. Yeah. But when every, every time someone's like, oh, I've got one-sixth, I'm one-sixth Cherokee, I want to, like, drop kick them because I'm like, do you know how you got that one-sixth? Because it's not good. <laughs> Sorry, that that that's, history you're telling me right now, that's yeah, not a good history you're about to tell me. <laughs> it's not It's not good. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, to go back to Gray Fox and all this, this does it is relevant just because, you know, I think that by introducing the idea that he's half Vietnamese and then he grew up during the Vietnam War, uh, they, don't they come out and say in Metal Gear 2, like, point blank, that, like, because he was half white, that the, the, uh, the Vietnamese uh, discriminated against him? Yeah, he was sent to, like, labor camps. Right, and that big boss liberated him. So I think, like, that scene is... 
like th- that's why I think it's important that he's half Vietnamese is because it's it's it totally destabilizes the player just like seeing those child soldiers who yes. well I guess they're not child soldiers yet are they they're some just like little some of them I kids. swear again this goes to like the limitations of the game cuz they're they're the same sprite boy and girl sprite yeah. of walking around I swear to god if we had like a remake because there's a child technically like on guard outside of Holly's cell Oh yeah 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 Remember yeah. where uh-huh. it's yeah. like you if you bump into that child he's like the, the one-eyed man told me to tell him if he see a man wearing green walking around here. Yes, yeah. I mean, I think all they're all, like, his spies and stuff. But, yeah, I yeah. think... So it's like, if there yeah. was a remake, you know that... You know damn well there's going to be a kid, like, with a rifle standing outside that cell. I think so. And I think that even if, you know, even if they're demobilized or whatever, like, they're just being bred to... to create more uh, war groomed, at some point yeah. so or groomed yeah, i would say so. more groomed because all these kids are like their parents were killed with i definitely when yeah. we when we eventually do the big boss episode i'm gonna tear into where how like he went absolutely fucking crazy and just like pointed at a settlement at random to raise and i mean like absolutely glass but for some reason he he keeps the kids which is really weird I see. I think it. I guess it'll have to wait for the Big Boss episode. But it kind of seems like he's just playing out the same thing that happened to him. Like he's yeah. almost trying to rescue those kids because he wants to rescue his own inner child from the shit. It's that, so true. Yeah. You just. Oh my God! Hold on. Wait a minute. Because yeah, he definitely like went into the service at what? What sixteen? Like super early. Yeah. Super and, young, and we don't know anything about his childhood. Big Boss's childhood, right? Like no. like early childhood, but it kind of makes sense that like uh going off of my own experience like all of my family is marine corps Hmm. so like military is pretty much almost all i know and because i was lucky enough to be raised in the digital age like i had the internet to like see outside the bubble of the military bases i was living in i literally didn't live outside of a military base until i was like 12 wow so it was like but I still had the internet, so I could see, like, you know, other places of the world. And, like, I knew there were places outside of a Marine Corps base. Yeah. But then maybe there's John, who, like, didn't... He, of course, he was born in the fucking... What was it? Was he born? 30s, want, right? Yes. And so... No, no shit, he didn't have the internet. He Like, maybe he read some books, but other than that, like... I, I can see, like, his, his, at least his father, definitely his father was, like, in the service. And so, like, all he knew was military life. Got funneled into the service early. And so, like, all he knows is military warfare. And then he's good at what he does because he's, he's like, gifted with these, with these soldier genes. Yeah. So he's immediately put into rigorous training with the boss. He's, like, an expert in armed warfare. He got damn blasted with a nuclear missile. <laughs> that was, yeah. <laughs> like, he, they used him for everything. So it's like he really never had a life of his own. I don't think he even knows who he is. Like, he, all he, like he said in Peace Walker, he's a gun. Like, that's all he is. That's yeah. all he sees himself as. So when he sees children, like, he has no choice in his mind to be like, these are guns. Yeah, I mean, on some, it's it's complicated because on some level that's tr- true, but I think that in uh, maybe this is well, it is related because this is more than likely how they got Gray Fox into the fold. So I guess this is relevant. Yeah, I mean, I think in in the Phantom Pain, at least when it comes to Cause's decision to try to like you know uh, adopt these kids or bring them on the base and stuff, 
it it really did seem for cause that it was uh, being fueled by this desire to, like I said, like uh, save his own inner child. And maybe for the boss or, or big boss, rather, that was somewhat part of it. But I do think that by the time we're getting into, you know, in 313 and the events of Metal Gear 2, that the, by that point, I agree that like he's completely lost any like he just sees these kids basically well, I'm as glad, pawns. I'm glad you brought it up because I've been dying to talk about it for a hot fucking minute. What's that? First of all, <laughs> I wanted to quote Cardi B there because you brought up something that I've been like dying to talk about actually, <laughs> and I had made a tweet about it weeks ago where uh, it was a two two tier tweet where the first one was a video clip of when you bring the ch- uh, the children back to Outer Heaven first in Metal Gear Solid Five, and Kaz is there. He's like, it was that scene where like. Big Boss or Venom quite literally like almost hands the gun to the kid when Miller hits him with the cane, right? <laughs> what you thinking, boss? I'm thinking that he's tougher than he looks. With a little training, he'll make himself useful. Never like kids. Especially ones with guns. The kids are natural. No, he's no natural. And it's like, and he's like, see, kids are natural. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Venom? And so, but like, yeah. he goes along with Kaz being like, oh, so we're doing a kindergarten, right? And so he's like, oh, we'll rehabilitate them. They'll learn to read and write. They'll do basic jobs. We'll give them a trade job. We'll funnel them back into like, American society or something like that. They'll they'll be people of, you know, like they'll become people. They won't have war. And right. then and then Eli comes to Mother Base. And Kaz and Ocelot are not there. They are somewhere else on the base. They are not listening to Venom. And when of course Eli attacks Venom and Venom fucking breaks his arm, right. he says under his breath, he's like, We do not attack fellow soldiers you're right oh my god yeah yeah you're right you're right you're right he got away with saying that under his breath so everybody wants to like walk around here being like oh venom is like this cute huggable big bear he oh he doesn't talk he's so cute he's so nice he loves quiet shut the fuck up he literally was like he was he was gung-ho and i, I get it's the it's the meme of john inside of him it's not really Venom is it's technically if you want to say it like in a literal sense this is Big Boss because he's this yeah. mental copy so we have to take this as how Big Boss would in, interpret the scene and I think Venom did it pretty much by the book where Big Boss is very slimy he goes yeah. along with what everybody says just to like keep the machine going but once he gets his way once he knows he can like get away with something under his breath he's like you're a soldier to me you're not going to attack other soldiers but he wouldn't say that in front of cause. I don't think so. No. And you know, there's just, so, this is the problem talking to you, Shane, is that a million things will come up in the course of us talking and then we'll be here for 4,000 years. Uh, I'm so sorry. No, no, I, I love it, but it's just, uh, just bear with me. So the first thing I jotted down in my little handy dandy notebook here, uh, I love blues clues is, uh, <laughs> the line that you brought up when venom snake says, kids are natural. Do you Ugh. fucking know what that is? That's a quote. He's quote. That's a Skullface quote. <gasps> yeah, Skullface said, "Kids are natural." In Ground Zeroes. Shut up! 
Shut up. Help me, Snake. Don't. Don't do it. Kids are natural, don't you think? say that like this is a basic quote right no, I mean, you could you could say that but this is metal gear <laughs> yeah this is metal gear guys come on gotta get uh, oh my god yeah so that's that's the first thing um and then the, the second thing is i think that when because i recently finished four and it yes. really helped solidify for me like what outer heaven as a as a concept even was and like why gray fox uh why big boss why venom stink these characters are are fighting for it and stuff and it's like yeah outer heaven is such like i feel like it has it has many different physical iterations but outer heaven is more of an idea you're not thinking of reviving big boss's dream from today call this place outer heaven big boss's dream you're absolutely right. It's an it's like a nation idea or something. It's like a, a nation ideology that has yeah. like has many different reincarnations, as in like the absolutely, the, um, you know, the Seychelles plant, and then the uh, of course Zanzibar land was an iteration, out Moses, Shadow Moses, and then of course Outer Haven, right, which was um, Arsenal. I mean, in a way, I guess Solidus's thing was almost a version of it, but too. But no, I mean, big shell, yeah, sort kind of. of. And in a way, uh, Volgan's plan was like a maybe like the 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 proto. Yeah, was like a haven for. That was like the prototype in a way, I think. Yeah. But Volgan is planning to mass produce them based on that prototype, and deploy them all over the Soviet Union. Yes, and that's not the end of it. He's going to ship them to Eastern Europe, to Asia. To all the countries of the Eastern Bloc. Even worse, he intends to use the Shagohar as bait to foment armed uprisings among dictators, ethnic insurgents, and revolutionary groups throughout the Third World. His funds are nearly limitless. He could start mass production tomorrow if he wanted. But yeah, it seems like that if you buy into the Outer Heaven ideology, which it's what it actually, I guess, is, is that they, they thought that so they wanted to free soldiers from nation states. They wanted to sort of like, they saw it as freedom, like being able to be a soldier and picking up a gun and going out and fighting. Like that to them was a way of declaring independence from the old order and and the whole system that depended on war. It's so ironic because it ends up propping it up, even though it's trying to like rebel against it. But I think that if you buy into all that, it, it, it helps explain why Big Boss is okay with child soldiers and is so, because to him, on some level, I think, like, it's liberating them. It's, like, freeing them and allowing them to live uh, as warriors. And so I think that's why Gray Fox and many other characters, they, they believe in it. It's because it gives them a place to exist and stuff. And so, yeah, I think yeah. Pe people who are scarred by war their whole lives, I guess it's just the trauma keeps repeating itself, you know? So it's, it's awful. And I, I didn't want to bring up portable ops again, because honestly I get like this bad taste in my mouth every time I do, but um, to bring up a more canonical game, which is metal gear two. I think if you wanted to do the portable ops route and be wrong, you could say that gene was like the, 
precursor to the actual outer heaven idea, which oh you know, right, right, Gene's right, own right. Gene's own meme passes on to Big Boss, which passes on to Liquid, which passes on blah 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 blah. Right, blah, blah. right. and so, but in the canonical sense, I wanted to make the connection of the mercenary war of Zanzibar, okay, where you've got a shit ton of mercenaries who came together to create one meme that then big boss as because he was there leading a lot of people uh you got a ton of mercenaries in one spot who congregate into one meme of like this area where they are they're free to fight because that's all they know and it's yeah. what they need and then big boss becomes the quite literal cult figurehead of this ideology yes and creates outer heaven after the first outer heaven because outer heaven was still a thing but he, I think it came, actually came into his stride in Zanzibar, even though it's quite literally never t- called Outer Heaven at Zanzibar yeah, Land. It's like still. this. I think this was like the actual, like physical manifestation of, of Big Boss's dream. You're right. Heaven. Yes, I think you're right, and it reminds me. It's sort of how Kojima does this. I think with other words too, where like they they have a lot of like nested meanings like cipher or 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 oh, yeah. uh, zero and i think like outer heaven is kind of the same thing where it refers to so you know both a real location but also this ideal um yeah and i think it's uh it's 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 interesting that they the the, the whole concept of like a race wars and regional conflicts and like ethnic strife and all these things that are so characteristic of warfare today after the Cold War. I think uh, it was really forward thinking and they really saw, like, Kojima really seemed to understand where things were going with Metal Gear 2 by by making all of that, like, so front and center and and using Gray Fox in particular to do so. Because, like, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, Gray Fox is someone who the, the conflicts that are associated with his name are all generational conflicts yeah. that last decades and oh, yeah, so sure. i think yeah it's like the beginning of the series really commenting on what war first of all that we live in an age where war has become perpetual i think that's a, the first part of it and the second part is like what kind of person does that create you know what what kind of and yeah and i think we get we get that a lot for gray fox in two but then it really comes to the fore in mgs1 you know whenever he the whole speech that he gives at the end and he reveals all this stuff about Naomi and you know what I mean? Like how, yeah. And and you see it kind of like you were saying before about passing a meme on from one generation to the next. And you just keep seeing it repeat itself. It's like, we see that with Naomi by Naomi getting wrapped up in it, just as Gray Fox got wrapped up in it. It's like this, the pattern keeps playing out, you know, and it's, uh, but one thing I also I, love, yeah. go, no, you go ahead. Cause you had another thing. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say really quick that one thing I, I do really like about Gray Fox is uh, even though, you know, he's obviously like a, a merchant of death and like <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> he profited off of war and all this stuff. I love that he says like it's he doesn't care about revenge like he calls Which it really petty. breaks away from like a majority of the characters. Yeah. And that's what's so kind of sad about maybe that's why he says that line is because it shows the irony of Naomi being so obsessed with vengeance uh, for yeah. Frank is like Frank himself doesn't want revenge. It's he, he just wants one last showdown with Snake, you know, so it's yeah. And fighting for what he believed in. I think that line he is referring, I think, to the outer heaven ideology. 
Like, that is the belief system that he was fighting for all along. But at the same time, he knew the sins. Like, yeah, he, it didn't have to be good, but he had a reason to live. Yes. So it's like you, you have to keep going. You do have to keep going. And, and I guess the, he tried to sort of make amends for his sins with Gustava and everything else. Maybe I think that might... Well, that's getting a little bit ahead because I think... Well, he, we'll definitely get into both of them in a little bit. Yeah. But I was just going to say maybe what how he adopted Naomi, maybe that was him trying to make up for... It certainly was part of him trying to make up for the sin of killing Naomi's parents, you know. That much we know. So... And, and also, I, believe yeah. I. Oh wait, I'm trying to think because like he felt so bad about this family, even though he was working for Big Boss and like he's he, Big Boss has a track record of raising areas. Villages, Although I think yeah. that yeah, I think that actually culminated in um, because he acquired or adopted Naomi in, in the 80s. Like this was way before in, in 313. Like yeah. this was this was Still- this must have been this must have been an operation of Foxhound led by Big Boss or maybe like he was deployed um, and ended up killing somebody before the madness happened because this is before Outer Heaven and yeah you're right um, he still had some of his humanities left not to say like he was completely gone in F014 because he wasn't he was still very very sane but he had to fight for what he believed in back then which was the ideology of Outer Heaven but I think in the 80s when he found Naomi and killed her parents, there was definitely like more humanities left in him. And he felt so sorrowful for it. He just adopted her. Um, but he had to leave her because his loyalty to big boss was stronger than, than at the time, like what he could do for Naomi, but at least he tried to like set her up with school. So that was like his, his first iteration of like trying to create a family and like stay human almost in, in the sense of just like being normal like I've got somebody to come back to, yeah. Type thing, um, but then there's Gustava, who they met eighty eight nineteen eighty eight because the Berlin Wall fell nineteen eighty nine, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, Gustava explicitly states in her 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 in her talk that she could not defect because of a certain political incident. And so she couldn't cross the wall. She could not leave. And because of that, she was, you know, classified as a traitor in her own country. And Refused was to join. Yeah. Yeah. She was forced to join the STB. I actually, it doesn't matter to the story, but I love in her talk when she's like, I even killed a man. I'm like, yes, girl. I love, yeah, that's such, <laughs> but it's also sad. That line's also really sad. It's tragic because they were being like, just, you know, beat the shit out of because they were seen as she was like this amazing Olympic skater, ice the ice princess, you know, like she was extremely respected. And, you know, it's kind of like what what would be like the equivalent? Uh, Simone Biles, who's like this amazing gymnast, American gymnast. Imagine her like defecting to Russia. Like <laughs> she would never do it. But like this is like the equivalent. She's amazing. She's beautiful. She's so awesome. She's America's sweetheart. She's extremely strong like yeah. one of the best gymnasts that ever lived currently and like if she like defects and and like tells all the American secrets that, that would be and then she doesn't get it and so she's stuck in America and everyone actually no I shouldn't say that like what happened with um who who did the WikiLeaks thing Ed Snowden or you talking about Assange 
Yeah, remember, like, they were after his ass. Yes. <laughs> Imagine yeah. if he's, like, stayed in America. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that, I guess that's sort of what happens. Yeah, because she, she, she's an ice skater for the East, and then she, she tries to leave to be with Frank. Yeah, he, and they were in love. Yeah, and so then she has to join. And when she says, I've killed a man, it's like, that's the point of no return, you know, like. Oh, yeah, for the, sure. Her fate is sealed. And I think that's the whole theme. But yeah, I mean, Frank, it's interesting, all, like that, that's a great example of the ambiguity of the character that you open with, is because it's so hard to imagine this character falling in love for this ice skater, but at the same time, it, it, it sort of fits. There's a weird romantic, it's almost like Casablanca, or I don't know if you've seen it, but like, you know. I it, know of it. It's like, uh, the whole movie is like based on this relationship that the main character had with this woman when they were both... They were both just in France right before the Nazis invaded, and they both mm. had this relationship, but but they both had other lives, and the whole thing oh, yeah. was kind of a make-believe that they were just playing just to pass the time. You know, uh, I I almost wonder if there was some element of of that with Gustava and and Frank, just because neither one of them could have really expected to be together, but yet. You know, they were romantic enough to at least try. And it's, of course, the tragedy is that he kills her, you know, and it's... Uh, and you, what's even worse than that is they were in the same spot by chance because Gustavo didn't even know she, he was there. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. She pulled a Meryl. Like, <laughs> I, I know, like, Metal Gear Solid 1 is pretty much like a almost retelling of Metal Gear yeah. 2. But she did. She pulled a Meryl. You have to find her in the bathroom. She is wearing the Zanzibar Land outfit. Right. And um, they took her radio, so she had to, like, get another radio or something like that. She doesn't have a radio. Oh, yeah, that's right. She doesn't have a radio because she has to use your codec to talk to... Um, the Keo Marv. Yes, that's right. She was Marv's uh, Secret Service detailer. Yeah. So, but because when they got caught, she had slipped away somehow, lost her radio, and right. she's, like, trying to re-correspond with him to find him. So... Um, but then they pick up Madnar later. <laughs> yeah, they they do, and then they 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 all go together to try to go to Marv, and that's when yeah. along the way that he doubles back when she's telling the story. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I do you think that Fox, uh, because he he shoots at the bridge from, I guess Metal Gear. Yeah, he's in D. I think he's at an elevation where like. You know, if you're going to shoot a rocket, you need to be a little bit away. And even though, because of the limitations of the time, there's like this big, ugly black box that comes down to let the sprite load, and then the black box goes away. (laughs) But like, I think Metal Gear D is fucking booking it. I think it's fast. So it's like, it was far away, launched the missile, books it over there. Yeah. So like, and I don't know the technological, like, advancements of Metal Gear D, but I'm pretty sure like, um... He obviously didn't know it was Gustava. That's what I was. That's what I was getting to. Yeah, yeah. And even though she, like she doesn't in her sprite, she's not really wearing the outfit. You can see her hair, but you don't know if she's like how long it's been since. Uh, yeah, they didn't see each other since '88, and now it's '99. Yeah. So it's like it's been ten years, or, or like or or so ten yeah. or eleven years, and so it's like it's been a while. He probably didn't even recognize her, and he's been through so much shit. But he probably didn't even, like, remember her, which would be tragic. Well, he does remember her at the end, yes. But he would never, you know, suspect that she would have become, you know, a member of the Czech secret, like, that whole... Yeah, like, this is an ice skating princess that I fell in love with, and here she is with a gun, like, 
with with my technical enemy. Like, there's no way it's Gustava launches the missile, kills her, and yeah. The the I- irony of that. Yeah, it's just it's so tragic that like they were just at the wrong place at the wrong time together. Yeah. That their 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 meeting is they were literally like feet away from each other across the bridge. She's dying yeah. on the other side of the bridge while he's like laughing at her. It's fate. It's, you know, it's fate. Yeah. That's what's so eerie about that game. It's like you really do get this because she tells and maybe this is too much on Gustava, but it is related to Gray Fox. Like she she tells the whole story. And I love this. It's one of my favorite like uh, design and narrative moments of Metal Gear 2 is that like her whole story about her mother's stories of running from yeah. the Nazis in the sewers. It's, she's telling you this as you are running from Big Boss in the sewers. So, like, yeah. history is repeating mm. itself. Like, they're, Time they're, is a spiral. You're right. They're trapped in their own... Right, Nietzsche. Yeah, they're trapped in their own double helix, like Solidus says. But, yeah, and Gray Fox at the end, you know, he. I think you're right, because he just doesn't... Like, like, Snake brings her up, brings Gustava up, but I don't think that, like... As he's dying... Right. I don't think that Fox puts together that, like, that she's dead because he killed her or that, like, any of that stuff. So when he says, like, you can be with her now, I think Frank just thanks him and doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think he he even says, like, making a woman happy. It was was never possible for me. So I think, yeah, he has no idea. Um, Which leads me to believe that, like, maybe they had, like, this breakup before. Like, maybe Gustavo wanted it to work and, like, he... It's kind of romantic. I'm going to be a little sappy. Or maybe they, they had like some one night offs and some nice little um, one night stands or something like that. Yeah. But like he had to leave and she wanted to make it work. But I think because I. Uh, OK, so my, my husband's very sappy and he's like, Aww. I need to make you happier. Blah, 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 blah. You're too pretty to be paying bills. Type, that type shit. Right. <laughs> and so like. But, you know, there's a lot of men out there that are like, you know, like, oh, I can never make you as happy as you're supposed to, to be or some, some sappy shit. Yeah. Like that. I don't know why they say that. But, you know, like, I'm pretty sure like something like that happened where it's like, I can never make you happy because I need to go back to what is asked of me. More. It's all he, all he knows. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's like, I'm going to make this work. Oh, can't 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 make it work, actually, because I can't pass the Berlin Wall. I love this theory. Shit. Yeah, it, it makes yeah. perfect sense to me that he would just be like, there's no way it's going to work. And she tried to make it. And so she's just suffering in vain. I can and, see her like surprising him, like coming past the wall and like yeah. showing up and being like, we can be together now because I left. Yeah, it, I, I bet that she would have loved to do something like that. But it's they're such tragic characters, you know, it's and then I guess you get a similar thing with with Naomi, where it's uh, the 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 it's sort of a reverse, I guess, in a way, or it's sort of a, it's just reminds me of it where like at the end, you know, snake doesn't tell Naomi Gray Fox's actual final words or not his, not his final words, but well, like she's after revenge. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. Snake doesn't tell Naomi. Oh, okay. The I whole was, thing about the, complete... the whole thing about, you know, he actually tell killed her. I killed her parents. Uh, yeah. Your brother says he loves you. His kiss and hug. Yeah. <laughs> His lines in that whole speech is just, it's some of the best writing, I think, in MGS1, you know, when it's, what is it like? Greg Eagles fucking killed it, too. Greg Eagles is a fucking god. Now, in front of you, I can find you After Zanzibar, I was taken from the back. Neither truly alive, nor truly dead. And undying shadowing. In a world of light, but soon, no, I can't do it. Soon, 
I, that oh he's God. so amazing and he is like I don't think he gets enough credit honestly like the amount of characters that he voiced and yeah, and oh yeah, how sure. differently like that they they feel like DARPA chief and Fox to me come night and day you know and oh yeah, even though sure. you can tell it's the same voice actor it's like the characters themselves are completely different and then to come back and do Stillman which Stillman is like fucking so good it's such a good oh yeah. naturalistic performance of that character and everything and it's just uh, yeah, I, I love, 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 love Greg Eagles, but, um... I love Peter Stillman, oh my god. Peter St- we'll get to the... Like, that'll be an awesome <laughs> episode going forward. Can't wait for the Peter Stillman episode. Hell yeah. But yeah, I mean, Fox, you know, it's, it's, it's tragic, too, that he, he ends up sort of almost like Medic becomes, you know, two fragments of two different people stuck into one body. Like, in a way, the same happens to... Frank Yeager because he goes from Gray Fox to Cyborg Ninja, which is a totally different, yeah. monstrous you know character that is doesn't even really have a will. Snake, remember Frank? Frank Yeager, Gray Fox. They twisted his body for their experiments and nullified his broken heart with nanomachines. I mean, I guess he does, but it's like it's it's so eerie. It's 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 even more ambiguous in the in the Cyborg Ninja era, which I yeah. want to preface. Um, Cyborg Ninja was actually an original character by Yoji Shinkawa, right, right, which right, was right. incorporated into Metal Gear Solid, which I think is awesome. Honestly, yeah. imagine like you're Yoji Shinkawa and it's like I got this cool Cyborg Ninja character, and it becomes like the de facto character of Metal Gear. Like when people think of Metal Gear, like immediately it's Cyborg Ninja, which is awesome. Absolutely. He's fucking rad. Of course, he's the face of Metal Gear at some points. Like, so many high quality, like, 8K photo wallpapers I see of Gray Fox everywhere. It's like, that's what he deserves. Who are you? I like you. I have no name. But when it comes to the story of Cyborg Ninja, Gray Fox, and Frank Yeager, in the Cyborg Ninja era, Um, it's a little bit more ambiguous because he's drugged up all the time and not by choice. Like it's when Naomi explains that he, um, it took her a while to, to rise the ranks to get access to her brother because she had to, you know, join ATGC, uh, take the, um, identification of the real Naomi Hunter who went missing in the Middle East. And then she worked until she got access to her brother immediately breaks him out like i i'm pretty sure like i'm i'm thinking that like it wasn't like she was like walking around like taking her own tests on on her brother i think the second she got clearance it was over like she booked it out of there with him and helped him hide out and it's kind of like a little lapse here where i'm thinking like some this big ass project of cyborg ninja just goes missing and then she's like on the sub like she had, she's, I know she's super smart. Cause in four, she's like all this hacking shit. Like she's like, remember that scene where she's like sitting with oh, Sunny? Yeah. yeah. And she's like typing away and Sunny's like, holy shit. And yeah. like just <laughs> women in STEM baby. And so it's like, you know, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? Like she's super smart. So it's not yeah. like she's not like pulling strings to like cover herself up. Um, I know a lot of people don't like Naomi. I don't have a problem with her. I think she could have been way better written in four. It's kind of tragic. But I think she really hit her stride in one. I think she's an amazing character in Metal Gear Solid 1. Like, when I when I watched that game for the first time, playing it with my dad, and then I played it myself a couple years later, like, and with a new, fresher mind, like, I didn't suspect Naomi at all. 
And except for like some points where it's like, okay, you're seeming a little sus, but like when, when, when she's presenting herself in Metal Gear Solid one, I think, I think she's a good character. I think she's well written in that one. I like, I I like her in four too. I don't, I I don't know where. I never said I didn't like her. I think she should have been better written. I mean, I, I guess I can understand that. If you're asking me, I think the cancer cop out was bad. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, MGS4 is a weird one, man, because I, 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 I have different opinions about it every time I play it. And so I, I guess oh, yeah. I can see where people are coming from with that, definitely. Um, I, I think I'm in a honeymoon phase with it where I'm, I'm seeing it in a new light now and I'm, I'm able to appreciate it more. But I, I totally get why people don't like that. And I'm sure I've, I've seen other criticisms of her in that game as well. So, I mean, I get it. It's People can have opinions. It's fine. <laughs> For sure. I'm not going to be here like, oh, I love Naomi. I think she was the perfectly written character. I'm not going to hit you over a baseball bat with that. But it's like, like you can definitely have that opinion. It's a video game, right? Like yeah. We're just here to talk about what happens in it. But at the same time, it's like, I remember when, what was that scene? And when they go back to Shadow Moses and Vamp is there and like Naomi shows up like caressing his body, I remember being like, yo, what the fuck? Like, I was like <laughs> what is happening right now? Yeah. But I think she was getting cracked out at that point. Like, it's just over for her. At yeah. At that point, if you want to see it literally. But when it comes to Naomi and Gray Fox getting back on track, I guess, <laughs> I'm really bad at going off the rails. Nah, that's just the nature of this. Watch this like episode end with us talking about nuclear deterrence again. <laughs> And at the turn of the century, no, no, <laughs> let me cross my legs. Holy shit. Um, okay. Where was I? Uh, I think the second she got clearance to her brother, she breaks him out, covers both of them up. And, um, I wanted to ask your opinion on this one scene in Metal Gear Solid one, where, uh, after you defeat him in the, uh, in Otacon's lab, mm-hmm. um, and he's like the medicine. So, um, she helped him hide out. She says this specifically. Uh, and I wanted to believe that she, because of her high access, even to have access to Gray Fox, um, she had a high, high access to medicine, maybe to keep him docile or, or like somewhat sane or placid. Um, and I think him saying the, that line, the medicine wasn't an allurement to Dr. Clark. It was an allurement to Naomi's mercy to keep him placid until like he he escaped and got to shadow moses for the showdown i mean i could see that maybe there maybe there was this part where naomi before she deploys she knows she's about to go she tells him like i'm about to deploy to to shadow moses solid snake will be there and then like he he finds his way there i don't know how the fuck he did that but yeah i mean i I, it, it definitely seems like that's something like that is going on that like the, the, and, and and it makes sense what you're saying because i mean if he needs this this drug whatever it is and i mean she's in the perfect place to get it for him i my take is that him being on the island being away from wherever the hell she was keeping him is you know why he's he's running low there or i mean they could be in alaska everybody escapes to alaska for some reason <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> it's true. like they could have been super close but you know, I, I think that line is also a, a, an allusion to Akita, uh, which I don't know if you've seen it. But you know, t- uh, there's yes. the character Tetsuo. I think is. Uh, sort I know of, it was yeah. definitely an homage, but yeah. like, like putting Still, it to the to, story. But right. to, yes, yeah. definitely, definitely the homage to Akira. Yeah. But you are right. Like it's it is, 
it, it very much could be that he's actually, that's referring to Naomi and not Clark's medicine. And you reminded me of something. Thank you for saying that. You're welcome, King. <laughs> We're talking about ambiguities and stuff. And just like that line is ambiguous, I wanted, you know, one thing I wanted to present to you is I realized after playing MGS1 after the Phantom Pain that the whole game, you know, how Gray Fox is like, he keeps being like, uh, I have to fight Snake. One, one last fight with Snake, right? It, yes. Is it possible that, like, his memories are blending together like Snake and Big Boss? I want to say it's more like a feedback feedback loop. Like, he's, yeah. like, reliving certain memories over and over. Or, like, he's stuck, he's stuck, in, the, he's stuck in the minefield over and over and over. Yes, but, so, yeah, and some, but sometimes I feel like the Snake that he's talking about is Solid Snake, and other times it's Big Boss. Like, it's because these are clones, you know what I mean? Like... I think it all, and because he's in this weird mental state, it's really interesting to think like about about that and about how how he could be as much wanting. I mean, I guess what I'm saying doesn't make any goddamn sense when you think about it. Because uh, I'm like racking my brain right now because like his lines when you're beating the shit out of him, and I know like Kojima made a joke where it's like like BDSM bullshit, but it's like hurt me more. I remember that punch, flashing a bonus. Yeah, you, like the, which is like. Where he got the shit beat out of him in three one three as well, right? But then he fought Snake in the minefield in F one one four. Like it, it's not like Snake's. It's not like Solid Snake is the only person that ever like, you know fought him. Like who's to say that like? And of course, I know it was Venom and in three one three, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to like piece it together as well because like it's it's true. Like it could be like different snakes. Like he's he's like trying to like fight with. The joy of and battle. He's trying, to, yeah. he's trying to, yeah, he's trying to find peace within the madness that he's like stuck in, within this metal shell. Right, and it all goes back to Big Boss, and so that's why I think is it's interesting that he could be. Uh, I'm imagining they sparred, you know, they mm-hmm. they they work together, they train together, and so it, it's all wrapped up, and I think that that's interesting. But yeah, I mean, um, I also found an interesting uh, article uh, that was saying. Um, there actually was a, a prototype. It, it wasn't actually built. It was more like they devised it in the in the 80s, where they they were uh, DARPA was looking into doing a, an exoskeleton suit that would like read your brain waves and stuff. And it was all stuff that was actually too high tech for them to actually make at that time. And even now, they're it's uh, I forget what it's called, but they have like this soldier suit that they've been trying to make work for so long, but. The logistics of it and actually using it in the field and stuff it isn't really I swear feasible. there's like a police force or military force in Asia that's like using something like that. Like an exoskeleton? I swear to God, I've seen it. Kind of like that, yeah. Like it's a full body suit, even with like a helmet and everything, and it looks like an exosuit. Jesus Christ. I don't know, I don't remember the country, but I swear I saw an article on it that's the country, uh, there's a country in Asia that's like using a suit like that. Mm. It's scary stuff, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's like the whole conceit of the war just taking over a person's mind and making them into a machine. I think like all of that explains, you know, Gray Fox's character and how he, he changes into cyborg ninja. Like, and of course, I guess the, the whole idea of making him actually, you know, a character that you already know 
isn't that sort of feels like a callback to Schneider becoming, you know, what is it? Black, uh, black. Yeah. Uh, black color. Black yes. Ninja. Yes. Oh my God. Schneider. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's a similar thing. I'm like the number one advocate for Kyle Schneider. I feel like, okay, that's, this is so pretentious to say, but like until I showed up on Twitter, like nobody knew who the fuck this guy was. <laughs> and now I've, I've got like the Schneider fan club going on where it's like, he's so tragic because he went to, he, he was literally in Outer Heaven, which makes me believe that, like, they moved from the Seychelles plant somewhere else on land. Because, yeah. Or maybe not, because, like, if maybe eventually, like, I know we're talking about Gray Fox. Give me a second. I love Kyle Schneider. Hold on. Like, they were allowing families onto the base, which is ironic, because every single time I run into my soldiers on Metal Gear Solid Five, they're like, it's getting kind of cramped to your boss. Like, shut up. I'm trying my best. Why don't you leave? But they were allowing families onto to outer heaven eventually and his family got killed and it radicalized him as it should have so he became part of the resistance but then uh-huh. it, it was it was the sad sense where it's like i'm fighting big boss but then he gets and then i'm going to go back to america where they love me then he gets bombed by nato right and then big boss recovers his body from nasa because nasa gets his body first tests him uses him as that that nasa extraterrestrial unit yeah and then they discard him because they're not using it anymore. So he got thrown away. Big Boss gets him back and brainwashes him. Like, see what they do to you? You had it so nice where I was. So what if your family died? At least I was taking care of you. These people tested on you and threw you away. Yeah. And like I said, I feel like there's there are strains of that that remind me of Gray Fox. Like, especially the whole uh, how, how they say that they, like you were saying, recovered his body. And then, like, I, I, I don't know if what uh, he mentioned about the space uh, extraterrestrial force or whatever, but I don't know if they used... You have to call Kaysler. Right. Okay, that's right. To learn more about it. Pretty yeah. sure it's Kaysler that... Well, I think, no, I think Schneider, well, at, when he's dark Black Ninja, he actually says, like, I was part of the extraterrestrial unit, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I but, seem to remember uh, there being. extrapolates a little bit more on it, I think. Yeah, I, for some reason, my memories tell me that they mentioned an exoskeleton, but I, I could be wrong. I guess he's wearing it when you when you fight him. Oh yeah, for sure, he's yeah. wearing it. So when you defeat, it's kind of like again, I, I keep going back. Metal Gear Two was a retelling of, or Metal Gear Solid One was a retelling of Metal yeah. Gear Two, where but they kind of flip the endings, where at the very end, when you when Gray Fox reaches clarity, enough clarity to speak with Solid Snake and be like, right. Oh, blah 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 blah. This was what happened at the very beginning. And might might I might I just say for the record, this is the hardest boss in Metal Gear Metal Gear yeah. Solid Snake. Like it's the first boss, and it's the hardest boss. Every other yeah. boss, there's a there's an amazing setup for every boss past Black Ninja. But Black Ninja is like the most random bullshit boss I've ever fought. <laughs> He's like borderline impossible for me, and I'm, I'm just bad at video games, maybe. But I cannot get past that without being on like one HP. Every fight, it but is tough. once you once you defeat him, he he reaches clarity and he's like, "This is what happened. It was horrible, and now I'm dead." And he blows up. Right, and, and so yeah, yeah. Uh, just like Gray Fox, like you're saying uh, at the end of MGS One. Um, okay, well, I think we're getting close here. Um, let's see. It's it's so sad because like paramedic and Cav are like two hour episodes. Yeah. But let me let me look at my notes one more time to see if there's like anything we missed. Hold on. I think we really hit everything. Yeah, because like we were saying, there just isn't necessarily that much 
to go on with this character because he's so ambiguous. But, you know, I'm, I think that the fact that it might be a little shorter, but when you think about it, we'll be able to get it out much faster and record the next one faster. And it seems like if people want, you know, more of this stuff, then that's, they get the subsistence episode, so I'm sure we'll find we, something else. Right, we can come back. We'll cycle back. I like how, before we go, I like how, he, like, in both games, I'm your number one fan. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, like, such a big brother thing yes. to say, which solidifies what you were saying earlier, that they were, like, brotherly, which is just, like, I think that's cute, where it's, like, he's got, like, these three phases to him where he's, like, I'm getting revenge, fuck you, and... I'm your superior, pretty much. And then it's like, you are my little brother. <laughs> I'm rooting for you, champ. Go ahead and kill our dad. Like, it's the kind of... <laughs> you know? Oh, God. It's just, this is shit like that. It's just, like, so funny. I love that. Because that is, like, super brotherly. Where it's like, do you have siblings at all? No, no. So, like, for, I have, like, seven siblings, so it's, like... Wow. <laughs> I'm not getting into it, but, like, at the, at the same time, a lot of them for, like, step-parents, you know what I mean? Like, gotcha. Like, I classify them as siblings, but my my blood siblings, my two sisters, um, my three sisters, actually, um, so, um, I'm allowed to make fun of them and beat the shit out of them, but the second anybody is, like, mean to them... I'm gonna go to war for them. Of course. So it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that Gray Fox Solid Snake sense where it's like, only I get to beat the shit out of Solid Snake. <laughs> but not even not even Big Boss can be mean to Solid Snake because I'm gonna secretly get over radio and tell him how to defeat <laughs> these rooms. <laughs> I'm rooting for you, champ. It's so funny. Oh gosh. I had written here, even though Big Boss knew of David, he still showed favoritism to Frank. When David entered Foxhound, Big Boss started started to personally train him, perhaps because of this, a rivalry was born. Because <clears throat> maybe there was a sense of, you know, Gray Fox was feeling very proud that he was Big Boss's favorite, and then David shows up. That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. But then maybe it was started off coldly, like... Hey, bitch, what are you? This is my spot at the lunch table. But then it eventually ended up into something more brotherly, like after N313 or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, once they started maybe seeing combat together or just being in the same unit, I think, yeah, that's going to build camaraderie for sure. And that's why I was saying, like, before we end it, this is the, this is around the end, but, like, before we end it, I want a remake so bad of these first two games. Can you imagine how cool it would be to, like, go save to go save Gray Fox in like 8K like <laughs> like widescreen amazing whatever engine they're going to come up with because Fox Engine is a 10-year-old engine by the way. We don't want any more games on the Fox Engine. I'm sick and tired of seeing this on Twitter. You don't want any Fox Engine games. The Fox Engine is obsolete technically. Aww. Don't start. Don't start. I'm over it. I'm so over Aww. it. And before we end it, by the way, let's get into some discourse actually cuz I'm pissed. Uh-oh. Somebody Somebody linked me um, today. Uh, oh, did you hear? Abandoned. It was, it was actually Metal Gear Solid Six because of this Russian leaker. Totally. And I was like, "What the fuck? No, it's not." Like I, I, ugh. and so like even even then, like, what the fuck are you gonna do with Metal Gear Solid Six? I'm gonna tell you what Metal Gear Solid Six is. It's the Metal Gear One and Two remakes, and it better be because if it's not, I'm burning everything to the ground. Everything. Everything. I will create outer heaven <laughs> and raise this land. And I will create a nation where hot metal gear hoes can get together. Yeah. 
this it, it will become mining. <laughs> yes. I'm, just, I'm rambling because I'm mad. No. I literally, I, I'm sure you see my tweets. I'm like the number one hater on this this <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Six campaign. Like everybody comes to me first when it's like, oh, did you hear it's a rumor? And they know I'm gonna say you're bullshitting. I'm the number one hater. I don't want to hear it anymore. And so this guy literally like tags me and eight other people in this thread where it's like this Russian leaker said abandoned from Blue Box Studios is Metal Gear Solid 6. And it took everything in my power to not like go off on this person because I'm a nice person. I'm a nice lady. But oh my God, how cool would it be? How cool would it be to save Gray Fox? And he looks so awesome. Got all his hair physics. He's talking to you. You can see every pore on his face. And you guys are sneaking around out of heaven. And then like, ooh, ooh. It would be great. I would love to play it. I mean, yeah, the rumors and stuff I think are really silly. Uh, I think it's kind of sad because it's so obvious that there's such demand for another Metal Gear. But Konami is not going to do it. It's insanely high. Yeah. I don't think Konami's going to do it. I don't think Kojima would want to do it, and I think it would be really cruel to ask him to come back. And so I just think it's kind of in a weird spot. Do you know how many people tweet me a day? They're like, oh, let's buy Metal Gear and give it back to Kojima. And I have to say, like, he doesn't want it. Like, he's moved the fuck on, and that's okay. Like, we're still here making this podcast, giving content to people, and and I get it, right? I get it. I keep saying this, too. It's like... Can you tell me the developer for... Can you tell me the main developer for The Last of Us? Like, the guy who created it? Can you tell me the main developer for God of War? Like, the man who created it or the woman who created it? Anybody? Can it, but everybody knows Kojima, right? So it's like, when they think of Metal Gear, they can't imagine this game being passed to new hands. Where, yeah. like, all these other amazing games go through so many hands. And, like, they create more and more games. But they can't imagine it. Even though everybody loves Ghost Babble... Plenty of people love portable ops. Like yeah. it's but they can't imagine Kojima. And this came about in Metal Gear Solid 5 where yes, Kojima made the game, but when they snubbed his name from the, the box, yeah. Like it was a shit it was a shit show. Like everybody Absolute. online just yeah. I mean I'm so on it's, yeah. It's, I'm I'm on I'm on board with the people being mad about that. I know it's just because I, and I will say that, like, I kind of understand pe- what you're talking about because I think it's it's not just because Kojima is so famous, but I think it's because his, his games are so personal, you know, that it's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just hard to imagine anybody else tackling it and doing it justice. I mean, a remake is the only thing I could see even possibly working. So I think, yeah, a remake of the first two games would be great. It's the only thing that would yeah, work. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not saying, like, bring him back, but, like, maybe, like, and I'm saying pay him. When I say pay, I mean pay him you know what i mean like <laughs> as an advisor like you know what i mean like yeah. um he doesn't have to come back he doesn't have to develop anything he doesn't have to be sitting in the chair fuck do it over a zoom call and then credit him as like the advisor or something like that like yeah some something like could maybe like would calm down people who are purists about kojima isms and like oh kojima has to be part of this game or some some bullshit like that and while i also love kojima it's like it doesn't have to be that way no i'm not like you i love life yeah yeah i mean it's uh i think even kojima himself that's what's so funny has said over the years that he is totally fine with metal gear going on without him and that 
that's was sort of the the goal. It just kind didn't of like really passing work. Passing on his genes to a new generation. Maybe yeah. if these people actually listen to his game, I'm not going to start with that. Well, that's my thing. Is yeah, it's like I mean, if if there was a caliber of creator who could do it, then it would be and done. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. We just have to like get the right hand going on it. I I swear there is. I mean, look at. Nobuo Uematsu, who did the music for Final Fantasy, yeah. and who does it now, Yoko Shimomura, who fucking killing it. Yes, like that's that's what I'm talking about. Nobody bitches about new Final Fantasy music because Yoko's killing it. That that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Like you're passing what you've done onto the new hands, who's who's also doing it, if not as well, better, and it makes the world better for it. So it's just a matter of time before somebody comes along, some fresh-faced developer, or somebody who maybe is a veteran in developing, comes along and is like, "Yeah, I can, I can take Metal Gear," and they, they, they do amazing with it. They would really have to know the design trends of East and West. I feel like that's one of the few things that, just as a Japanese developer, is so unique about Kojima. And it's not like no one else could do it. It's just you don't just don't see it a lot where. The Japanese developers are so like well informed and well caught up on what's going on in the West and tech trends and putting all this it's stuff. It's gonna have in. to be like lightning in a bottle. That's the thing, and that's why I'm like, let's just do new IPs. Honestly, like, I would love that. I know yeah. we're wrapping up, but holy shit, I'm like the number one fan of like I want brand new characters. I want the yeah. next iteration of. I think I said something about like, and even though this wouldn't be a new character, it would be have like baby the boss in it, like the the little when she was a little girl. Mm-hmm. Like, give us the philosopher mm. prequel, and like have a, a snake type character in the philosopher prequel, and like show the story of them all dying out, which would still go into like this legend status of like we don't want to know the legend of the philosophers because they're so secretive. But I feel like maybe like maybe not games anymore. I want novels, maybe shows. I think it's time. Yeah. If you want my opinion. I know the movie's coming, but I, I think it's time for TV shows. I think it's time for, for novels. I know there are novels, but... Um, Just you more. Know, like, more, yeah. yeah. I mean, look at Tom Clancy, the, the franchise. I know Tom Clancy's fucking dead, but the franchise is still going strong. Yeah. yeah. And um, video game novels are actually, like, all the rage right now. Like, um, Assassin's Creed's got their own like huge novel verse. Death Stranding uh, just hate- came out, right? The two novels. Yes. Yeah. And they're really, really good. They're really good. I gotta read. I them. like how they went into like the intri- intricacies of like clone the the porters mm-hmm. that like the NPC porters that walk around. They actually like talk about them a lot. And of course, Igor and his brother and all that stuff. And um, just like the more you get, more of an emotional side out of prose when you're reading it. And like it forces you to like really get into their their heads instead of just like watching it happen. Oh sure. Like reading it, it feels like way more, way deeper than maybe it should be. But that's the whole point of of prose is like to get the emotion out of you. Yeah. And so I feel like if they could localize the Japanese substance novels and then maybe write more. I mean, you've got you have um, you you have substance here to write about. You've got. Uh, Snake CIA days. You've got the philanthropy mission with getting Liquid's body, which they even said in the game that's like that was that was a shit show in itself. Yeah. Like that was not easy. I'm like, okay, well, talk about it, King. Like, honestly, <laughs> you've got you've got it there. You know, you, we have shit to work with, and you have Gray Fox. Like, I think Gray Fox, a Gray Fox novel, would be a fucking hit. 
It absolutely would. I mean, it would be awesome to actually learn about like his whole story and all the stuff you filling in or at least one possible interpretation, you know, cause like you were saying before about it, you know, if we actually got it in a game, it would kind of ruin the legend. But yeah, I think something about prose allows you to just see it as, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just easier to see it as a alternative version or alternative telling, you know? And I think that's fun. Yeah. Cause they did that with, um, not to super ba- like deviate, but star Trek, the, the autobiography of Picard that came oh, out a couple really? of years ago. Wow. Oh Yeah. My husband read it. He liked it. Uh, mm-hmm. He said, like, he had some issues with it because he's a huge Star Trek guy. Gotcha. <laughs> but, like, it's something like that where, like, you can tote it as, like, an autobiography or just, like, another retell- retelling. But when you're reading about it, you can't really s- impose yourself onto these characters that are being told of. Where, like, when you're controlling a video game character, you, at some point, you have, like, no choice but to, like, because your choices are affecting their actions, you right. supersede yourself onto these people. So yeah. it would be better in a novel. Same with the boss. I think a boss novel would fucking bang. But <laughs> I, I would take a novel for the boss. I would take a novel. I think that'd be great. I think but I, I think so too. Well, let's wrap it up here. I think that I think we talked a lot about. I know this episode is a little shorter, uh, but again, yeah, it's like you said. He's just. I think when we eventually tackle the boss as well. I bet that'd be even shorter other than talking about World War Two. Yeah, that's the thing is that you could just go in all different directions here, but it was really fun as always, Shane. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, it was actually pretty fun waking up in the morning, so we'll try to do this again sometime. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Get that blood pumping. Yeah, wake up. <laughs> I know you're hating it, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not so bad. All right, well, thanks everybody for listening, and I guess we will just catch you next time. Uh, if you want to follow us on our Twitter, we have our Twitter is at Shadow Moses Cafe on on Twitter. I keep saying Twitter, so sorry. <laughs> uh, and we also have a Patreon at the same username, Shadow Moses Cafe. If you would like to support, we would truly appreciate your support. Uh, we launch episodes days early. If you subscribe to the tier where you get them, we also handwrite notes for these podcasts which we upload as a pdf that you get and nobody else gets and if you have an ipad or a samsung tablet you're free to download them and mark them up yourself uh which is always fun fresh and cool and then i might actually this is the first time i'm actually telling you this i might actually start doing some artwork and uploading it to the patreon just for patreon supporters awesome that's awesome so like I'll do them like wallpaper esque in 4K and everything so people can have like some Shadow Moses Cafe artwork. And so I will start uploading those to the Patreon and I'll do sketches on the Twitter, but I'll do full color artworks on the Patreon. So, and everybody, it doesn't matter how little you give, I will put everybody gets on the Patreon can get some of that. So, that's awesome. All right, guys. Well, we'll, we'll little talk. Little incentive. Yeah. I mean, please consider backing us and every little bit helps, honestly. Thank uh, you so much for your support. Yeah. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.